engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Rain, rain, go away, come again another day. My goodness, more mess on the radar today. Yep, it is Eric Erickson in for Sean Hannity. It is eight after the hour, and I got to begin with the president in Poland. But to do that, I want to step back for a moment. I've got a lot of audio to play of the president's speech this morning. Uh, Probably his most presidential uh, speech since the State of the Union. Truly a phenomenal historic speech in Poland. Um, It it was a Reagan-esque speech in parts. And it is interesting to see the media reaction to it today. We can now just go on and state as fact that the American media has gone uh, off the cliff fully into the resistance against President Trump. You know, the media, CNN in particular, and CNN local network that I worked for for three years, I have a lot of friends there, I have a lot of great respect for this network. They have now given more media coverage to the president's tweet about CNN on Sunday than they did to a mass assassination attempt several weeks ago. Think about that for a minute. A mass assassination attempt of members of Congress at a baseball game has gotten less coverage than a presidential tweet. That's all you need to know about the media. At the Washington Post right now, this very hour, 3.10 p.m. on a Thursday... What is today? June 6th, right now at the Washington Post. You can go to their website and their motto that they've brought back from the Watergate days, they brought it back for the Trump administration, is democracy dies in the darkness. That is the Washington Post motto. And if you go to the video section of WashingtonPost.com, you will see at the top of the page their masthead, the Washington Post, and right underneath it, democracy dies in the darkness. And then you will see a video. And the headline of the video is that the first lady of Poland snubbed the president of the United States, refused to shake his hand. And when you watch the video, you will see the first lady of Poland shaking hands with the president of the United States. Who are you going to believe? Your eyes or the headline writer? Democracy doesn't die in the darkness. Democracy dies because of journalistic lies. That's what we're seeing here. The president of the United States gives a historic speech in Poland and the media became fixated with the first lady of Poland shaking hands with Melania Trump before she shook hands with the president and claiming that she snubbed the president. She didn't know such thing. It's very clear from the video. President Trump is shaking hands with the Polish Polish president. I can't speak. The first lady of Poland reaches her hand out to Melania Trump. And as she's passing the president with her hand already out to shake hands, the president sees it and turns thinking she's going to shake his hand. And she reaches out and shakes Melania's hand. They all have a laugh. She immediately turns and shakes the president's hand. She was already going in for the handshake. This has happened plenty of times with people. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. And yet the media is giving major attention to it. I mean, you should all recognize the ridiculousness of it. The media focusing on a handshake 
that happened and claiming it did not happen. Oh, and then you should know that once it was exposed that, in fact, the first lady of Poland did, in fact, shake the president's hand, the media is now focused on an ethics advisor at the White House has resigned. This ethics officer has been in combat with the president and has thrown in the towel and resigned. Newly appointed, hasn't been on the job long and is already out. Pay no attention to the historic speech in Poland. Pay no attention to the polls in the streets chanting USA, USA, waving the flag. Pay no attention to the president taking on Russia. You would never know the president was critical of Russia in his speech in Poland. You would never know that the president really did draw a line in the sand with with, uh, radical Islam. You would never know the president had tough words for North Korea. You would never know any of the stuff from his speech because the media is so busy peddling lies to make the president look bad. Let's just go back to the beginning of this week. The, the press was fixated on the president's CNN tweet, was fixated on the president's attacks on, on fake news. And multiple reporters from multiple outlets said the president of the United States needed to get off Twitter. And if he didn't, every one of his tweets needed to be covered as news. Multiple reporters from multiple outlets said the president's tweets were major news. Multiple reporters from multiple outlets ran stories compiling all of the president's tweets. Multiple reporters from multiple networks said Sean Spicer, the White House press secretary, says the president's tweets are official statements. They're going to be covered as if they're official statements. And they all ran stories. And then the president got on Twitter and said, we're here to help Charlie Guard. We would love for Britain to let us take the child. This is the child who's been sentenced to die by a bureaucrat in Great Britain because he has brain damage. We here in this country have an experimental treatment. Doctors say we'll cure him. And the British have decided he must die. He cannot have the experimental treatment. The president of the United States gets on Twitter and says, Great Britain, let us have this child. We will take care of the child. You never heard about that in the media. I thought they said all of his tweets needed to be covered. All of his tweets were official statements. All of his tweets need exposés. All of his tweets need reporters to go wall to wall on them and cover them. All of his tweets deserve it. Not that tweet. No, 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 no. Let's ignore the tweet about the president doing something good. Let's ignore the uh, president's speech in Poland. Let's ignore the statements the president made that were bold and transformative in changing our foreign policy away from the Obama era. Let's ignore all of that. Let's ignore the people in the streets cheering on the president. Let's pay attention to the one German protester who said something bad about the president and cussed live on air. Let's pay attention to that. Let's not pay attention to the polls cheering him. Let's not pay attention to the polls who are happy that he's there. Let's not pay attention to any of that. No, 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 no. We can't pay attention to that. We can only pay attention to the bad. We can only pay attention to the critical. We can only pay attention to the embarrassing. And when it turns out that it's not true, well, we're going to pretend it's true anyway. That is the American press corps today. Democracy does not die in the darkness. Democracy dies because reporters lie. Let's cover what the president said. In fact, the president rallied the West to take on radical Islam today, and it was a heck of a statement. We are confronted by another oppressive ideology, one that seeks to export terrorism and extremism all around the globe. America and Europe have suffered one terror attack after another. 
we're going to get it to stop. During a historic gathering in Saudi Arabia, I called on the leaders of more than 50 Muslim nations to join together to drive out this menace, which threatens all of humanity. We must stand united against these shared enemies to strip them of their territory and their funding and their networks and any form of ideological support that they may have. While we will always welcome new citizens who share our values and love our people, our borders will always be closed to terrorism and extremism of any kind. fighting hard against radical Islamic terrorism, and we will prevail. Don't pay any attention to the crowd chanting USA. Don't pay any attention to the crowd cheering him. Don't pay any attention to that. Please, you're not allowed to. Only pay attention to the fact that the Polish president's wife shook the president's hand but it looked like on the video at first that she snubbed him. Pay attention to that. That's all you're allowed to pay attention to, according to the American press. Is it any wonder they're liked less than toilet bowl scum? It is 24 after the hour. All right, let me review the situation for you. We've got severe thunderstorm warning now for the next 35 minutes in Cherokee, Dawson, Fanning, Gilmer, Lumpkin, Pickens, and Union County. Uh, There is a lot of lightning up there and a lot of heavy wind. The storms are moving mostly to the east, uh, slightly northeast. Uh, Right now, the heart of the really bad storm up there uh, is about, well, let me pause the animation here and I can tell you. Um, We are from downtown LJ. The storm is about 12 miles to the east. From Dahlonega, it's about 18 miles to the west. Uh, From Jasper, it is about 15 miles to the north. So you kind of that's the heart of the storm. But that being said, you get down 75 and 575. There is more rain there, and it wouldn't surprise me. Let me look at the tops of these clouds here on the radar. You may see another severe thunderstorm warning crop up here right around Cartersville. Um, If you're in Canton or Holly Springs, let me see how fast the storm is going to be to you're about the storm is about 14 miles due west of you if you're in Canton. And if you're in Canton, you're going to get hit by probably the hardest part of the storm as it comes through. It's not weakening right now, which is part of the problem. Um, These things, they got a lot of rain in it. They've got hail in it. There's a lot of lightning in it. 
and it's just not reducing in strength right now. That's part of the problem. Now, if you head up 85, when you get to Commerce, you're going to start seeing some rain there. Hall County had a severe thunderstorm warning for a while now. It is expired, but I would suspect we're about to see another severe thunderstorm warning in Hall County as this other storm moves through. So just be careful out there if you're north of the city. If you're south of the city, you're okay. Other than right around the newborn Porterdale areas, Covington, Oxford, you've got some light rain out there. A Sprinkles in Redan right now around the Stockbridge area in Riverdale. There's some sprinkles. Um, but really, the bad stuff is to the north of the city. Uh, everything to the north of the city. Banks, Jackson, Madison counties have a severe thunderstorm warning. And again, Cherokee, Dawson, Fanning, Gilmer, Lumpkin, Pickens, and Union counties all have severe thunderstorm warnings right now. Uh, Cartersville getting clocked. Ackworth as well. You're going to be hit um, with a storm here in just a few minutes. If you're south of Dallas, though, uh, you're largely okay. Lithonia about to get a little bit of rain. It's just a, it's a messy radar out there today. That's part of the nature of, of summer afternoons here in the south, but we're used to it. Now, the phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. I do want to walk through the president's speech and his press conference this hour. He had a lot to say. What's very interesting is at one point in his press conference, the president said CNN was taking his tweet uh, that showed the, the animated um, the animation of him. Uh, body slamming the wrestler that had the CNN logo as a head saying they're, they're taking it a little bit too seriously. I could have told you that. I mean, I'm not making up. The Media Research Center has run the numbers. CNN has covered the president's tweet more than they covered the mass assassination attempt. This is the American media at work. This is the American media. Good gracious. By the way, just randomly, Spider-Man comes out tonight and if you need to go see spider-man if you like superhero movies um this is by all accounts and i i did not go to the sneak preview i had a friend of mine who did and he said it is the best uh marvel movie that they've made i it, it sounds like it to me uh, all the reviews are very, very good. The last guy who played Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, uh, is now apparently on some play Angels in America about the spread of AIDS in America. You know, Ronald Reagan's terrible, what, whatnot. And he's claiming that he's gay in all but the act now because he has so, so explored the gay community because he's straight. Uh, but now he says he's gay. And he's begun referring to history as herstory. Herstory. Because he thinks that by saying herstory, it takes the patriarchy out of it. Never mind that history comes from a Greek root, not the possessive pronoun or the, the pronoun his has nothing to do with it. These people are idiots. It is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. I want to, if you will allow it, uh, spend some time on, well, the president's press conference. He, you know, he is causing controversy with the media because they are desperate for him 
to say that Russia interfered in the election and cost Hillary Clinton her victory. This really is the thinking of the press, you know. They still can't acknowledge that Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate because so many of them want to work for Hillary Clinton. So it had to be that Russia stole the election. And they need for Donald Trump to concede that fact. They need for Donald Trump to acknowledge that he is president solely because of Russia. And he just won't take the bait. And they asked him again about it. Haley Jackson, NBC correspondent, got in To you first, uh, a two-part question, if I may. Will you once and for all... Yes or no, definitively say that Russia interfered in the 2016 election? Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. Uh, could have been a lot of people interfered. You seem I've to said it very, I said it very simply. I think it could very well have been Russia, but I think it could well have been other countries, and I won't be specific, but uh, I think a lot of people interfere. I think it's been happening for a long time. It's been happening for many, many years. Now, the thing I have to mention is that Barack Obama, when he was president, found out about this in terms of if it were Russia, uh, found out about it in August. Now, the election was in November. That's a lot of time. He did nothing about it. Why did he do nothing about it? He was told it was Russia by the CIA, as I understand it. It was well reported. And he did nothing about it. They say he choked. Well, I don't think he choked. I think what happened is he thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the election, and he said, let's not do anything about it. Had he thought the other way, he would have done something about it. So he was told in early August by presumably the CIA that Russia was trying to get involved or meddling pretty strongly with the election. He did nothing about it. The reason is he thought Hillary was going to win. And if he thought I was going to win, he would have done plenty about it. So that's the real question is, why did he do nothing from August all the way to November 8th? Why did he do nothing? His people said he choked. I don't think he choked. So the follow-ups for you on that, Mr. President, you again say you think it was Russia. Your intelligence agencies have been far more definitive. They say it was Russia. Why won't you agree with them well, and say it I'll was? Well, I'll tell you, let me just start off by saying I heard it was 17 agencies. I said, boy, that's a lot. Do we even have that many intelligence agencies, right? Let's check it. And we did some very heavy research. It turned out to be three or four. It wasn't 17. And many of your compatriots had to change their reporting and they had to apologize and they had to correct. Now, with that being said, mistakes have been made. I agree. I think it was Russia, but I think it was probably other people and or countries and I see nothing wrong with that statement. Uh, nobody really knows. Nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, the, the garbling here, the the encoder process uh, through the service we use uh, occasionally does those hiccups. So I, I wasn't hitting pause and play and pause and play. It was just that's the nature of it. But you get the you get this. You can go to the Washington Free Beacon and see in full. Uh, he goes on a little bit more. But he gave the media what they wanted right there, that he believes it was Russia, but he also believes it could have been other people. Hello, George Soros and other countries. Hello, China. It could have been. It more likely was. 
But because he didn't want to say just it was Russia and it was only Russia and the fact that he pointed out, and let's all be honest here, even Democrats are privately willing to concede that the reason Barack Obama didn't pursue Russia harder is because he thought Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. It wasn't a matter of him choking. It wasn't a matter of him dropping the ball. It was a matter of him thinking it was no big deal because Hillary was going to win anyway and then she would deal with it. And she didn't win, and so the Democrats' only conclusion is that Russia had to have stolen the election. They can't acknowledge that they got beat by the guy. They cannot acknowledge that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, bested Hillary Clinton. And he just gave them what they wanted. He gave them the talking point. He gave them the acknowledgement that, yes, he believes the Russians interfered in the election. And they're not happy because he didn't conclude his statement by saying, that's the only way I won. And there's no proof of that anyway. There's no proof that that's the reason he won. None of the intelligence agencies believe it, by the way. You should know that. None of the intelligence agencies are willing to say he won because of Russia. All they say is that Russia wanted to disrupt the election. Russia wanted to sow seeds of doubt in the American electorate's mind, which they were successful at doing. The fact that the media continues to do this and people are at each other's throats and Democrats are convinced the Russians stole the election, that's exactly what the Russians wanted. If anything, the Democrats are now giving the Russians the win by their refusal to acknowledge that he's the president and let it go. The Democrats have played perfectly into the Russians' hands. Well, I mean, it takes it takes one to know one. It takes a communist to know a communist. The commies in Russia knew exactly how the commies in the United States would respond. There's also this, responding to North Korea, something else Barack Obama dropped the ball on. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, in light of North Korea's latest ICBM testing, Do you think they're beyond redemption, or is there a chance they might actually make a U-turn? And are you willing and ready to launch military action against them? (laughs) And if if I may, if I may, I have to ask about this. Since you started the whole wrestling video thing, what are your thoughts about what has happened since then? I mean, CNN went after you and has threatened to expose the identity of a person they said was responsible for it. I'd like your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think what CNN did was uh, unfortunate for them. As you know now, they have some pretty serious problems. Uh, They have been fake news for a long time. They've been covering me in a very, uh, very dishonest way. Well, you know, I got to stop it right here because CNN this afternoon is complaining that the president talked bad about the American press in a foreign country. The American media was okay when Barack Obama talked bad about the American people in a foreign country, but God help him for talking bad about the American press in a foreign country. Do you have that also, by the way, Mr. President? But CNN and, and others, I mean, I know there's NBC is equally as bad, uh, despite the fact that I made them a fortune with The Apprentice, but they forgot that. But I will say that uh, CNN has really uh, taken it too seriously, and I think they've hurt themselves very badly, very, very badly. And what we want to see in the United States is honest, beautiful, free, but honest press. We want to see fair press. I think it's a very important thing. We don't want fake news. And by the way, not everybody is fake news. 
But we don't want fake news. Bad thing. Very bad for our country. As far as North Korea is concerned, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't like to talk about what I have planned. But I have some pretty severe things that we're thinking about. That doesn't mean we're going to do them. I don't draw red lines. President Obama drew a red line, and I was the one that made it look a little bit better than it was, but that could have been done a lot sooner, and you wouldn't have had the same situation that you have right now in Syria. That was a big mistake. But I think we'll just take a look at uh, what happens over the coming weeks and months with respect to North Korea. It's a shame that they're behaving this way, but they are behaving in a very, very dangerous manner, and something will have to be done about it. Thank you. Thank you, David. Oh, so he takes a dig at Barack Obama and the press is complaining not about that. They're complaining about him saying he wants an honest press. Well, who doesn't want an honest press? So I my syndicated column comes out tomorrow that the AJC doesn't run. It's run all over the nation, but not in Atlanta. And one of the points I make in my column is this picking up on where the president is in his press conference today that democracy doesn't die in the darkness contrary to what the washington post says democracy dies when the press lies when people can't believe the press. you know originally in this country all of the press was partisan and if you were a democrat you had your democrat newspapers if you were a Federalist, you had your Federalist newspapers. If you were a Whig, you had your Whig newspapers. If you were a Republican, you had your Republican newspapers. If you were a know-nothing, you had MSNBC. And over time, the press decided that it was going to try to play it straight, just the facts. And after World War II, reporters came home and they realized we need a free press and we need a press to tell the people what's going on in the world. And whether they were liberal or they were conservative, they had all fought and bled in a great war. And they knew that the United States was better than the other guys. And they had a commitment to the truth. They had seen tyranny firsthand. They had seen a nation that actually did lie to its people. They had seen a nation that actually did control the press. They had seen a nation that actually did use the press as propaganda. And they tried to play it straight. Well, you've got a new generation of reporters who are ideological warriors of the left. And they have no intention of playing it straight. They have every intention of lying to get their way. And they are outraged by a president and a political movement called conservatives who are willing to call them out for it. And that is what's happening, is we're tired of liberals masquerading as objective reporters, and we are perfectly willing, able, and happy to call BS on them because they're full of it. It is Eric Erickson in for Sean Hannity this afternoon here on WSB. It is 56 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, when we come back, we got to pivot a little bit. The Democrats are, well, they're surrendering, but they don't want to admit that they're surrendering. We've also got more audio from the president overseas. But first, the Democratic surrender, where they don't want to admit they're giving up. I'll tell you what I mean when we come back. Three, two, one, zero. All in 
engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Well, hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Fill it in for Sean Hannity this afternoon, nine after the hour here in Atlanta, uh, north of the city. Eh, it kind of sucks out there weather-wise. South of the city, it's not bad, just muggy. Now, the president, we have covered his speech and his press conference, and I want to get back to it. Uh, we got more audio. We'll take your phone calls as well at 404-872-0750. But we got to move to the Democrats for just a moment because they are conceding, I think, uh, that they've given up, that they have failed, that they are incapable of doing what they claimed they were going to do. They have come up with an economic message. And for 2018, the Democrats have decided they're going to run on this economic message of, of sharing prosperity and lifting everyone up. Now, now just, just let, let's put this in perspective here. The Democrats controlled Washington for eight years with Barack Obama. They controlled everything for two years. They controlled the Senate and the White House for four years. They controlled it all. They run the media. Most of the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies lean left. And two years after losing power, the Democrats with a straight face are going to claim to you that they have an economic plan that will help the people left behind by the Obama economy. Because that's essentially what it is. I mean, they're trying to get back the voters who left Barack Obama for Donald Trump. They've recognized that they need those voters to take power back. But the problem, of course, is that those voters left Barack Obama and went to Donald Trump because the Democrats failed them. But in doing this, I think we're missing something critical. By running on an economic message, and claiming they can bring these people back to the economic table, they can spread the wealth around to these people. What they're implicitly acknowledging is that they've given up on the idea of impeaching the president. They've given up on stopping the president. They've finally come to terms with the idea he's going to be president for at least four years. I mean, that, that's what this is. And it's a dangerous game for them to play because since November and the election, the Democrats have been screaming and crying that the president stole the election with Russia's help, that he is corrupt. He's in the pocket of the Russians. He's a traitor. You name it. And he needed to be impeached. They offered no proof. They have no evidence. But they said it with a firm conviction. And the Democratic base bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And that's a real problem because when you have a base of a party that buys into your rhetoric that the Republicans want to kill people and Republicans are going to destroy the planet and the president is a traitor and the president is in the pocket of the Russians and the Russians stole the election from their precious Hillary Clinton and that's the only reason that, that Donald Trump is there, when you have all of that, 
what you ultimately have is the president of the United States being illegitimate in the eyes of your base. And then you're refusing to do anything about it. You're refusing to stop him. You're refusing to throw him out. You're refusing to pick the fight. You're refusing to impeach him. But you've just told everyone the president's a traitor. You've just told everyone the Russians stole the election. And now they're moving on. That sets up a conditions for civil war on the Democratic side. That sets up conditions on the Democratic side where the base goes to war with the party leadership because the base is committed to the fact that Donald Trump is a Russian plant and the Democratic leaders are beginning to signal that, no, you know, he's really not. I played for you guys the audio uh, when I filled in for Herman last week. I, I played the audio of Chuck Grassley on the floor of the Senate saying the FBI told the Gang of Eight, the Senate Republican and Democratic leadership, and the House Republican and Democratic leadership that the president actually had not stolen the election. The president was not under investigation. The president was not implicated in the Russia situation. And yet Chuck Schumer went out and still said he was. Chuck Schumer went out and lied to his base and lied to the American public, saying the president was under investigation when he was not. And Chuck Schumer knew he was not. The FBI had told Chuck Schumer he was not. And so now they're coming along and saying, well, we've got a deal for you. We are going to put you back in the economic game. And the base of the Democratic Party is going to say, well, what about impeachment? You guys said if we voted for you, you were going to impeach the president. And now you're just saying we got an economic plan. How's that work? Well, it doesn't. That's the problem. It doesn't. It doesn't work for them. But they don't care because their calculation right now is that the base of the Democratic Party is going to stay with them no matter what. But will they really? In Georgia, you know, the, the AJC has run the numbers. Did you know that John Ossoff had a turnout problem in Georgia? You haven't heard that. I, in fact, I... I, I, I I think Kyle Wingfield at the AJC and I were probably two of the only people in America to point out he wound up getting less people than the guy who spent no money against Tom Price. And the Democratic response to that was, well, he was in a presidential election and this was a special election and they're different. Yeah, they are. But that guy spent no money. And John also spent $30 million and still got fewer voters. And he had a ground game. The other guy didn't. He went out and targeted voters door to door. He went out and targeted voters door to door. He went out to find Democratic voters door to door. He went out and registered new voters and they still didn't turn out for him. He had a voter turnout problem. The Democrat base in Georgia, it turns out, was not nearly as enthusiastic, excited, or engaged as the national media would have you believe. So it makes me wonder, is the rest of the National Democratic Party excited? Sure, you've got all these people who show up at these protests, but they're all the same people all the time. They're not bringing in new people. And God help you if you're pro-life or Jewish or support Israel or support traditional marriage, or you're Christian, you're not welcome at the events. 
unless you are a, 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 a transgender lesbian from Southern Africa who believes that the United States is the great Satan and you want to take people's guns away and kill babies, you're not really welcome at a Democratic Party rally these days. You've also got to be an illegal alien, a, a transgender lesbian illegal alien from Southern Africa. Yeah. I mean, that's about it. That, that Those are the only people welcome these days in the Democratic Party. If you're an actual African-American from the United States who goes to church regularly, they want your money and your vote, but you better not say that you go to church. If you're Hispanic and Catholic in the Democratic Party, God help you. If you're Korean, oh, no, no, no. Only the far left, socially liberal, uh, right thinking people are allowed in the Democratic Party. They are more and more walling themselves off from the rest of society. And yet they think that they represent the majority of the people. The Democrats running on an economic message for 2018 is a sign that the Democratic Party leadership recognizes that its base is out to lunch. The Democratic Party leadership deciding that they need an inclusive message to bring Trump voters back to the Democratic Party is an implicit recognition that the Democratic Party itself has gone too far left. You know, there's a polling, there's polling data out there today that shows 40% of the Democratic Party supports the wall on the Mexican border, 40%. No, I'm sorry. Um, that, that one is, that one is, is 37%. It's 40% support the president's travel ban on the six Middle Eastern countries. 37% of Democrats support the wall. 40% support the president's travel ban. 40% of the Democratic Party, not a single elected Democrat supports it. You have a party that no longer reflects part of its base. I know the media wants to focus on the fighting in the Republican Party and the disagreement over Trump and all that, but they are missing the biggest story. And the biggest story is that the Democratic Party in the United States is on the verge of a crack up because the base and the party leaders hate each other and the base hates itself. It is 26 after the hour. All watches or all warnings, I guess I should say, in the listening area have now expired. Uh, there is rain headed towards Snellville, Loganville, and Grayson. Uh, north of the city, Alpharetta, right now in the heart of the storm. It's headed towards Johns Creek, Duluth, Lawrenceville. More rain headed towards Alpharetta and Roswell. And then up in the uh, coming area headed towards Flowery Branch, there is rain. If you are on 575 uh, anywhere, it's probably raining right now, but that's not going to last much longer. The rain is starting to thin out. There is, however, uh, more rain coming in from Alabama. So full warning, fair warning uh, in that regard. Now, oh, I got to play you this clip. Linda Sarsour. She is the um, she's the left wing 
Islamic activist who the left is rallying around, who defends Islam, is a an apologist for radical Islam. Uh, she's really a terrible person, and, and she's claimed all sorts of things that haven't been true about uh, Islamophobia in the United States. Well, now I want you to listen to this audio from her. Sisters and brothers, it's been 16, almost 17 years since the horrific attacks of 9-11. And we still, as a community, find ourselves unprepared in so many moments. Why, sisters and brothers, why are we so unprepared? Why are we so afraid of this administration and the potential chaos that they will ensue on our community? And we already saw their potential when they come out every few weeks, Muslim ban one, Muslim ban two, Muslim ban three. They are relentless. They are persistent and consistent and want to see how much we as a community can endure and want to see who our friends are and how back against this administration and I hope that we when we stand up to those who oppress our communities that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad that we are struggling against tyrants and rulers not only abroad in the Middle East or in the other side of the world but here in these United States of America where you have fascists and white supremacists and Islamophobes reigning in the White House we have to stay outraged do not criticize me when I say that we as a Muslim community in these United States of America have to be perpetually outraged every single day. When I wake up in the morning and I remember who's sitting in the White House, I am outraged. This is not normal, sisters and brothers. Those people sitting in the most powerful seats in this country is not normal. So do not ever be those citizens that normalize this administration because you can get the idea from there. So opposing Donald Trump is jihad. And she believes they are white supremacists. But, you know, what strikes me here is how very unoriginal everything she says is. This is not a deep thinker. Uh, she just re- falls back on the cliches of the day that this is not normal. We have to stay outraged. Uh, deep thinking on the left. 404 is the number. We'll be back with your calls. Sean Hannity is off today. I'm here for him, Eric Erickson, uh, 439 in Atlanta. We're going to stick around till 7 o'clock tonight. My show, Atlanta's Evening News, begins at 5 p.m. A lot of rain north of the city. We will keep you updated as the evening goes on. Right now, let's get to the phone calls. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, Rick in Jasper. Rick, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. I've got a two-part question, and I know you're the man for it. I, I believe you're the guy that has his pulse on politics, not just nationally, but especially here in Georgia. And here's my question. First one was, do you believe in light of the way that, uh, I believe the shameful way that John Lewis, uh, you know, did not recognize Trump's victory and further didn't attend the inauguration, would a conservative candidate uh, be able to unseat him? And secondly, would you see that as leverage in this special time to unseat a bunch of uh, resistance-type Democrats that are just blocking everything good? Uh, no, 
Uh, and the reason being is the same reason that John Ossoff lost in the sixth. J- uh, John Lewis's district was specifically drawn for John Lewis. Uh, it is overwhelmingly black and Democrat. You run a conservative in that race, he's going to take money away from away from viable candidates. Uh, and I mean, Jesus Christ himself could run against John Lewis as a Republican and lose to John Lewis in that district. Goodness. Well, yeah. that was a great uh, answer. I just uh, was, you know, I'm, I'm hoping against hope that we'll uh, either, you know, pray these people into some common sense or, or get somebody in there that'll do the job. Well, you know, look at it this way instead, Rick. Um, look at it this way. Because John Lewis's district is drawn the way it's drawn, uh, and it's actually not a terribly gerrymandered district, to be honest with you. Um, we have more Republicans in the state than we have Democrats. We have more Republicans in Congress. If they redrew John Lewis's district to make it more competitive to be able to beat John Lewis, uh, you would be sacrificing Republican leadership in Washington. Don't want to do that. Yeah, better to have John Lewis there making a fool of himself than to have Republicans defeated uh, in order to get John Lewis out of office. Uh, That's my thinking on it. And, you know, listen, one of the things that Democrats have to come to terms with in this country, and it's a very real concern, that's why they're starting to complain about gerrymandering, is by and large, Democrats have gerrymandered themselves. I mean, you go to California and elsewhere and Democrats have put themselves in districts. They have demanded majority minority districts to boost black representation in Congress and whatnot. And essentially, they've drawn themselves out of Congress. Not only that, but Democrats tend to move for ideological purity and Republicans tend to move for quality of life. And what I mean by that is that Democrats view ideological purity as a quality of life issue. So Democrats want to move to places where there are more Democrats and there's a Planned Parenthood on every street corner and there's a gay pride march every weekend. They want to move to San Francisco. They want to move to Midtown Atlanta. They want to move to New York City. Republicans actually, they don't view ideological purity as a quality of life issue. They view actual quality of life as a quality of life issue. They want to move out where they have land. They want to move out where they have neighbors. They want to move out where traffic isn't as bad, even if they have to commute into work in bad traffic. The schools are better. They've got kids and families. They go to churches on the weekends. And as a result, Republicans are more likely to encounter a Democrat who hasn't moved to the inner city uh, than a Democrat is likely to encounter a Republican. Democrats have moved themselves into areas where it becomes harder for them to compete against Republicans because they have uh, self-segregated. They've they've redistricted themselves. They've gerrymandered themselves. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Virginia in Woodstock, you are up next. Welcome to the program. Hi, Eric. Um, listen, I just want to tell you I love you, and here's my deal. I know that you have gotten heavy, dirty hate mail and this and that and the other, and God only knows what, just because of your opinion and just because of who you are. But I'm really concerned. These people are out of control. Craziness. Yeah. I really feel that somebody is going to take a shot at the president. 
I'm worried Am about I it crazy too. Or what? No, 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 no. I am worried about it too. And you, you know, as, as a matter of fact, I said the other day uh, online. I, I shouldn't say I wrote. I typed uh, that for all the people who are complaining about the president. Why don't you try praying for him? The Bible says to pray for him anyway. The number of liberals who replied back to me that oh, I pray every day that he dies or that that he's forced out of office it was was appalling to me. And when you have Democratic Party leaders and the press corps saying the president's going to get us into war, he's going to cause a nuclear missile strike, he's going to destroy the planet, he's going to kill people, uh, at, at some point, some crazy person who wants their 15 minutes of fame is going to do what James Hodgkinson's did in Virginia to Republicans. Now, thankfully, the president has the Secret Service. And they're the best of the best, although the Obama administration did their best to pollute and corrupt the the Secret Service. Uh, but, I mean, God help him. Yes, I, I pray for the president regularly for, for not just wisdom, but for his safety as well. Because, I, Virginia, I am as concerned as you when it comes to this. The, the left in America right now is unhinged. They cannot accept the fact that he won fair and square. And he did win fair and square. They got to blame Russia. They got to blame theft. They got to blame collusion. They got to blame all of these things. And that's a real problem because they themselves cannot accept responsibility for their own problems. It's always someone else's fault. Anthony in Atlanta, you're next. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to call and talk about, um, I know you haven't touched on it, but they talk about this whole thing about if you're white and you're male, you're wrong, just automatically. And then they have this whole topic of white privilege. And, like, I grew up extremely poor. I mean, like, I actually had to go and beg for food as a child. Um, and so they don't get that, you know, we had to work to get to where we're at. Listen, Anthony, here's the situation, uh, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up. I, I haven't talked about it yet today, but this is a topic I, I have been spending a, an inordinate amount of time thinking about lately. It is true in this country, and I've seen it for myself, that if you are black, uh, you are more likely to be pulled over by a police officer than if you're white. Uh, if you are Hispanic, the same way. i got a buddy of mine who is a redheaded, Irish-looking white guy who bought a truck from a from a Mexican migrant in Texas, little bitty uh, beat up Toyota uh, Tacoma with a, um, a mother of Guadalupe uh, sticker on the back of it. And he gets pulled over by the police all the time who are visibly shocked uh, to see a white guy in the driver's seat. So, yes, that's real. But the, the left in this country wraps it into this idea of privilege, that, that you are privileged because you're white, because they want to lump you in with a class people to delegitimize you because once they've delegitimized you then they can force their opinion on everyone else including you what the left wants to do in this country the ultimate delegitimization of people like you and me and, and everyone else is they want to undermine the family that's what white privilege is about if you have a two-parent heterosexual uh, nuclear household uh, your parents are not divorced and you are white you are presumed to be bad and privileged and you should be marginalized in society. 
because they want to justify people's mistakes. They want to justify people deciding to screw up their lives and say, well, this person's not privileged because they made all these mistakes. We need to put him on a pedestal because he screwed up his life. We should downgrade the people who lived godly lives and had normal families and kept them together through thick and thin. It's all about this whole concept of privilege is about destroying the American family because it is the American family that breeds normalcy. It is the American family that breeds uh, future workers for this country. It is the American family that when you have a strong American family, you don't necessarily need government dependency. So as long as the family exists, the need for government dependence is, is on decline. It is an absolute plan from the left to raise privilege to delegitimize voices who would call for the United States to return to an era where people weren't dependent on government, but they were dependent on their family, their church, and their local community. That's what it's all about. Is there discrimination in America? Yes, there still is. Are people in America unfairly judged because of their skin color on occasion? Yes. I have stood on a street corner and hailed a cab down from a black man who could not get a cab to save his life. And the moment I raised up my hand, a cab pulled over. And when I offered the cab to him instead, the cab driver protested. I've seen it with my own eyes. I know it's there. But let's not claim that this is some level of privilege that exists in this country. Is there discrimination? Yes. But does it make me the guy who had the cop that had the cab pull over for? Does that make me the bad guy? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make you the bad guy either. But the left would prefer you to believe you are the bad guy because then they can get from you what they want when you feel guilty. It is 55 after the hour. Let's do a quick check of radar right now. No watches or warnings in the listening area. However, there are more storms coming over from Alabama. Most of the rain is between Roswell and Lawrenceville. Uh, the Snellville, Loganville, Grayson area has some rain. Sandy Springs is out of it. Norcross, Doraville, you're in it right now. Uh, Swanee, Sugar Hill, you got some rain, light sprinkles around the coming area. Alpharetta and Roswell, the rain is starting to diminish. Everyone else largely in the clear, and a few sprinkles, some winds in the area, but there is more coming across the Alabama line that'll be here in a little while. Uh, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go back to the phones. Tony in Woodstock, you're next. Eric. What's going on? The man that has been wrong for two years. Okay. Uh, Trump. And been wrong at left and right, up and down, day after day after day for two years. All right. So where am I wrong today? Where are you wrong today? Yeah. You're wrong today because Trump had a very successful foreign trip today. Which is what I said. You did not. But you went on about the gays and the blacks and the other people. What? So you, you, I, I can't you, change you, subjects? The, the, the standard, uh, your, your standard conservative uh, rhetoric, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, Tony, Tony, I, I got a question this for you. I, I spent an it, hour it, it, on the, the president's speech. Hey, hang on a second. You, uh, let's let's lower the volume on Tony for a second, Tony. My show, not your show. Let me ask you. I spent an hour 
on the president of the United States. I played seven audio clips of the president. I gave him glowing praise, including saying it was his most presidential speech since the State of the Union. So can I not then move on to other subjects, Tony? Hmm? Cannot because you are wrong. Wrong and wrong. So I, I'm wrong that right. the president Every gave a presidential you, speech. The words come out of your mouth. You are wrong because so you you, you Tony you you think that the president gave a bad speech. Where do you get your you get your money from? Uh, uh, well, no, no, Tony. Hang on a second. Answer the question. So you think the president did a bad job? Oh, see, this is the problem with crazy people who have phones. Tony in Woodstock apparently thinks the president did a terrible job today. Now we know that Tony thinks the president did a terrible job today because I spent an hour saying what a great job the president did, and Tony thinks I'm wrong. Uh, Tony is apparently one of those unhinged nutters. We will continue taking phone calls when we come back, but we also got to pivot into local news as well and give you the update on the radar when we come back. It is 11 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, thank you for joining me this evening. Uh, boy, uh, we haven't had an active radar this evening. Luckily, things are starting to wind down in the area, which is a good thing uh, here at WSB. Uh, and for use, the Snellville, Lawrenceville, Winder, Loganville area it has some rain, um, Duluth a little bit. But everyone else, you're in the clear for now. There is heavy stuff coming over from Alabama, though. We will keep you posted as it comes this way. No watches or warnings right now for you to be worried about. Uh, I have been in for Sean Hannity the last two hours covering the president's speech abroad. I'll get back into it in a little while and take your phone calls at 404-872-0750-1800 WSB-TALK. But I need to bring you the latest first on the Obamacare repeal in the Senate. It appears Republicans are abandoning the effort to pass an Obamacare repeal. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, they are trying to blame Ted Cruz yet again. Again, in fact, uh, the Hill has this story from Alex Bolton. Tensions between Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and his old antagonist Ted Cruz have reappeared in the high stakes negotiation over health care reform. Cruz is insisting on a reform to the Senate GOP bill that senior GOP aides say is a non-starter with much, if not most, of the Republican conference. While Cruz sought out Health Committee Chairman Lamar Alexander to play what he promised would be a constructive role in the debate, senior GOP aides said Cruz is no longer being agreeable. Instead, he's being a thorn in their side. How dare they? I mean, that, that's essentially what the Republicans are saying. How dare they, con those conservatives, improve the bill? They're trying to blame Ted Cruz for improving the legislation. Meanwhile, Mike Lee is coming out now and saying if this amendment doesn't pass, he's not voting for the legislation because it will be a, a breach of all their promises. Isn't it funny how conservatives always wind up being the bad guy in these situations? 
you have the White House has come out in favor of Ted Cruz's plan. And it's real simple. If you haven't been a listener of the program for a while, I want to explain his plan to you. It's very, very simple. And you're going to be left scratching your head as to why this is rocking the boat so much. So Ted Cruz's plan is actually a very simple idea. And I've explained it a couple times here, but it, just given the way the audience works, those of you who've heard me explain this before, just bear with me real quick. <clears throat> Doesn't take long to explain. Obamacare says every every insurance company in every state has to offer what's called an Obamacare plan. Those Obamacare plans, for example, require men to cover their mammograms that they can never have and their pregnancy they can never have. Senior citizens have to pay for pediatric dental that they don't have to worry about. Women have to pay for testicular cancer exams and prostate exams that they'll never have to worry about, uh, essentially spreading the cost so broad that allegedly it brings everything down. The result actually is that it makes an insurance plan more expensive for most people. All Ted Cruz's plan would do is say, let's leave that in place. Every insurance company has to have an Obamacare compliant plan in the states. But if they have one Obamacare compliant plan, let's let them then offer a bunch of other plans and people can buy one of those. They don't have to buy the Obamacare plan. That's all. That's all his plan is. That, that is the entirety of Ted Cruz's proposal. Keep everything in place as it is, but allow people to not have to buy the Obamacare compliant plan. If there's a cheaper plan, let them do it. Now, I, I've mentioned before, a friend of mine I go to the gym with. Yes, believe it or not, I go to the gym. He's a, he's a, he's a personal trainer. He's in great shape. He's in good health. And he never had a problem buying insurance before Obamacare. And now he has all sorts of problems buying, Obama, uh, buying plans. And he's got to buy an Obamacare compliant plan. The problem is that the plan that he can afford is a plan that no doctor in Georgia will accept in their office. It's a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan that is accepted at hospitals and emergency rooms, but it's not accepted in his doctor's office, nor in any other doctor's office that he can find. And it's more expensive than the plan he had before Obamacare. He would love to be able to buy a health insurance plan that he could afford that his doctor would accept that doesn't cover mammograms that doesn't cover pediatric dental that doesn't cover pregnancy. He would love to buy that plan, but he's not allowed to buy that plan. If Ted Cruz's proposal went through, he would be allowed to buy that plan. And Senate Republicans led by Mitch McConnell are saying, no, we're not going to do this. They would rather keep Obamacare than offer people these options. And they're using reporters in Washington who cover who covet access to paint Ted Cruz as the bad guy. Ted Cruz is not the bad guy here. Ted Cruz is actually the guy who's trying to get something passed that will actually keep Republican promises. He and Mike Lee are the ones who are trying to move the ball. He and Mike Lee are the ones who are trying to find a way to keep everybody happy. This is a common sense solution. It is a no brainer. And yet somehow he is being portrayed as the bad guy. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. You got a bunch of Republicans in Washington who don't like Ted Cruz. They don't want Ted Cruz to be given any credit whatsoever. 
because Ted Cruz exposes them as being liars and frauds and liberals. The president of the United States has come out publicly and sided with Ted Cruz. In fact, the president of the United States has come out and said, if we're not going to do Ted Cruz's plan, let's just repeal Obamacare altogether and then spend August coming up with something else. Which I think is actually the perfect solution. Just go on and repeal it. Don't don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Go on and repeal it. And then in August, come up with something new. That, that to me, would be the perfect solution plan but they don't want to do that they would rather keep obamacare than begin the process of letting people out of obamacare and ted cruz is exposing that and that's why the senate republicans are starting to get people in the media to run stories attacking cruz this is a no-brainer of a plan and the republicans in congress if they're not going to repeal it altogether they should be supporting it shame on them for not doing it they've been lying to you the whole time I, I got to just share one small good thing with you guys before I take phone calls or anything. And I'm really excited about this uh, because it's been a long time since I've done anything like this. I am taking my I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm taking my dad to Chicago to a Cubs game. Uh, I have been if you're a longtime listener to this program. Yes, I like the Braves, although I haven't been to SunTrust Stadium yet. I, I haven't. Uh, but I've been a Cubs fan since I was a kid. Uh, my, my friend Mike, when we were in Dubai uh, growing up, he was from Chicago and loved the Cubs. And just uh, his his fandom rubbed off on me. And I have loved the Cubs since I was a kid. And I've never been to a baseball game with my dad uh, anywhere. And we are going to go to a Cubs game together. And it's my Father's Day present for to him. Uh, so I'm taking him to Chicago. We are staying at the Trump Hotel. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Uh, I, I actually, I, I have a lot of points uh, that I was able to cash in and, and got a great deal of room. And we're just, we're going to have fun. Uh, going, I got us uh, dinner reservations at one of the best steakhouses in Chicago uh, for tomorrow night. And I'm, I'm just excited to be able to take a father-son trip. Uh, we have not really done that since we went off looking at colleges back in 1993 or 92, I guess it was. Didn't really have a father-son road trip. Uh, we, uh, although, no, I take that back. We did go to his uh, 50th high school reunion a few years ago down in Coral Gables, Florida. Uh, that that was a, a father, good father-son road trip. But that was about it. So this will be a fun time. He's flying in from Baton Rouge. I'm going to meet him at the Atlanta airport at his gate. We'll go together, although I'm wondering whether or not I need to call Delta and see if they have one of those little carts they can ferry us from from his gate to the gate for the plane at Chicago. I have no idea how you even do that, but I suspect he's going to be coming in at one end of the airport. We've got an hour to get to the other end of the airport, and, and he's a kind of slow walker. <laughs> oh, well. Let's go to the phones. I am I'm just I'm excited to do that. Let's go to the phones, and I want to uh, go to Steve calling from Pike County. Hey, Steve, how are you? Steve, you there? Adam. Uh, oh, you're Adam? 
Yes, Adam. Ah, uh, well, it says Steve on here. So, so Adam, Steve, welcome. All right, thanks, sir. I just uh, I want to get your take on what do you think the Republicans are thinking uh, come up when, you know, if they get elected again, if they don't go along with Trump's agenda? Do they think they're just going to have free just because they're Republicans? Well, you know, it depends. Um, It depends on where they live, I think. Uh, There are some Republicans who live in marginal seats where I think they think that they are going to have to uh, show they're standing up to the president and being their own person to get reelected, particularly Republicans in the New York area, New England, uh, California. They're going to have to be their own men. Uh, But then take, for example, down here in Georgia, if if they're defiant of the president's agenda, uh, they're probably going to get primary by someone and they may get beaten in a primary by someone who says that they will be more faithful to the president's agenda. So it's definitely a regional issue, but they're having to come to terms with it. There are situations in the country in Virginia and in parts of Texas and Florida where in Wisconsin as well as one of them, where you're seeing some Republicans realize that if they do not stand up to the president, they're probably going to get beaten by a Democrat. But if they do stand up to the president, they're probably going to get beaten in a primary. It's kind of in a, a catch-22, a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for some of these Republicans. I don't really feel that bad for them, though. And the reason I don't is because I don't think any person in Congress, regardless of party, should be a yes man for the president because the president is not an emperor. The president is a president, and he does not deserve the default yes from any member of Congress. Each member of Congress is elected to be their own person and to make up their own mind on behalf of their constituents and do what they think is in the best of their constituents. Nobody should be a yes man for a president of any party, in my mind, but your mileage may vary. It is Eric Erickson here on WSB 39 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Back to the phones we go. Chris in Brazelton, how are you? Good, how are you, sir? Good. What's going on? I just had a question. Maybe you could clear something up for me, and possibly a lot of listeners my age. Uh, everybody is talking about the health care debate and how Obamacare is, it was designed to implode on itself eventually. And I was just curious, just because I'm not a health care expert by any means, how in fact something like that would occur. Well, let me just say it wasn't designed per se to implode on its own. It's just Republicans knew that it would. Uh, and, and the reason Republicans knew that it would and that it is, is because of the way uh, it was designed to deal with insurance companies, where okay. insurance companies are required to offer the Obamacare compliant plans. And those plans are extremely expensive and not everyone can afford them. And what insurance companies are finding in many cases is that people get the plans and then they can't afford the premiums. Uh, And what they also find is that the government demands that insurance companies cover certain things and pay certain amounts. So they can't make any money. 
And because of the cost to the insurance company, in addition to the cost to individuals, uh, it, it was going to go belly up. Now, there was some speculation early on, and even some Democrats suggested that the Democrats actually did intend for Obamacare to fail. And what they were trying to do was to keep it going for several years so that everyone got into Obamacare. And so then by the time it went kablooey, their solution would be, well, now we really do need a completely 100 uh, percent government uh, solution. And some Democrats wanted that. Some Democrats said that the time bomb was baked into it. But most people, even Jonathan Gruber, who was one of the chief architects of it, kind of noted that there were just the costs and fees in it were going to escalate over time out of control. There weren't good estimates for keeping control of costs. And that was going to cause the whole thing to blow up and become way too expensive. On top of that, Chris, keep in mind that uh, states could opt into Obamacare and to the Medicaid expansion and Medicare expansion, but they didn't have to do it. And many states refused to do it, which drove costs up even more for insurance companies because the federal subsidies that they would get were different from state level subsidies. So the the whole thing was just financially unsound. It was clearly uh, created by a bunch of left-wing Democrats who don't understand basic free market economics. But I, I I'll be real honest with all of you though. Not that I'm never dishonest with you, but I mean just to put a very fine point on this. Even the best Republican plan out there is not free market. We are well past having a free market healthcare system in this country. And Republicans, for all their lip service to free market economics, they're not even proposing free market economics. If we were to scrap Obamacare tomorrow and go back to what we had before Obamacare, we still wouldn't have a free market system. Singapore and Switzerland, which have government funded healthcare programs are actually more free market than what we had even before Obamacare, even though they're 100% government run programs. They actually were more free market because essentially the government let people go out and buy insurance premiums. And if they couldn't fund them, uh, then the government ensures that costs are going to be covered. So you've got much more competition to lower costs out there and the government makes sure there's a bottom line safety net for people who can't afford it. We, we had nothing like that. I, I am at the point where I'm thinking we should just go the Singapore or Switzerland route, which is far more competitive than anything the Republicans are even proposing. Really disappointing that the party that supposedly supports free markets really don't even want a free market health care system in this country. Disappointing indeed. 404 is the number 1-800-WSB-TALK. Teresa in Kingston, you're next. Welcome. Thank you. Sure. Uh, I have a real radical idea for some folks. Okay. <laughs> okay. They you re, they were been given the updates about the senator that was shot. Yes, Steve Scalise. Yes. Well, I, when they first uh, heard the news about it, they had a prayer for him in Congress. Am I correct? Yes. Well, uh, I think it's kind of hypocritical that they could have a prayer for him, but we can't have uh, official prayer in schools. I think you're right. And But not that the prayer ever really left, because if you ask any student that 
you know, pop quiz. Right. You go, oh, geez, that's a prayer. Yes. <laughs> that is and, true. But I think they should uh, allow it back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to at least set aside five minutes every, or ten minutes every morning for those who just want to do that. Listen, I completely agree with you on on that, Teresa, and I think that part of the problem we've got now is that our schools have drifted so far left. If you had the schools organizing the prayer, you'd probably get a, a, a Muslim, a Buddhist, or a Hindu in there instead of a Christian in there, and parents would be offended by that. Uh, but the fact that that it, it's not just that we don't have organized prayer in school, it's that schools have become so hostile to prayer, even student-led prayer. You've got the, the, the atheist protests when students want to pray at graduation or whatnot, when it's completely voluntary by the students. I mean, we are truly a country now where a small vocal minority can control what everybody does and what everybody's supposed to think. It's pitiful. By the way, uh, I should tell you, we got a new severe thunderstorm warning out there. This one's slightly outside the listening area, but it's headed in our way. It's northwestern Harrelson County and western Polk County. A severe thunderstorm is located at Border Springs uh, near Piedmont. That's in Alabama, and it's crossing over into uh, the the Georgia area. Cedartown, Etna, Felton, and Escom Hill are all in the areas of this storm. This is going to be moving towards Dallas here in a little bit. Uh, the, the storms hopefully will be wide winding down by the time it gets to Dallas, but we do have this Polk and Harrelson County severe thunderstorm warning in effect right now. Uh, the storms are moving to the east, so the Dallas region, Hiram, Braswell, Austell, Douglasville, Villarica, you'll be feeling the impact of these storms here in just a little bit. It is 53 after the hour. Eric Erickson here on WSB Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Back to the phones we go. Tim and Flowery Branch, you're next. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, good evening. I wanted to try to get some clarity on the plan that Ted Cruz has proposed. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't understand if insurance companies are still going to be held accountable by the government to provide for all of those requirements for other people, then they're still going to hide that cost somewhere out of necessity in another plan that doesn't necessarily have to meet those requirements, wouldn't they? Well, so I think what Cruz is gambling on, and I think he's right, um, and I want us, don't hold me to this, but I think it was an American Enterprise Institute, not Heritage, uh, AEI, that, that showed this, maybe in Cato, that the odds are that the overwhelming majority of people will choose the other plans. And that would be for the individual, though. What about companies that have to choose a plan for, uh, you know, well, that, that would that would be it. Is is the individuals would, would choose the plans they wanted that were less expensive, and no one would be required to get the Obamacare compliant plan. Now, the people on the Obamacare compliant plan, and this is a, an additional expansion of what Cruz said he would be okay with, is the people who let's say they absolutely needed the Obamacare compliant plan. Well, he would by giving up his objection to the getting rid 
rid of the the investment taxes because uh, remember conservatives want to get rid of the investment taxes by giving up that objection that would allow the government to increase the subsidies for people who actually ab- absolutely have to have those plans. So the people who have to have those plans would get an increased government subsidy because those plans absolutely would become more expensive uh, as there were less people to spread the cost around. So I think that that's his balancing act. Okay, I mean, it just, I don't know, it makes me nervous because we're, we're all basing this off of what we think or we might. Well, yeah, but I mean, the problem is we can run statistical analyses and see how these things work out. And we know that uh, the Congressional Budget Office continues to get it wrong whenever they do. So the odds are we're going to get something wrong and they're going to have to go back and adjust it later. Uh, But we also know that we got to have a whole bunch of adjustments because of Obamacare right now because their original studies didn't work out. So we're we're always, I guess, going back and revisiting. That's interestingly enough, Tim, I was made this point to a member of Congress a while back and said, can't we just take a year off i mean we we've been around this for more than 234 years can't we just take a year off and say no more laws this year and he said the problem is that the laws that we're passing now are laws designed to fix the laws we've passed in the past where we've had unforeseen circumstances come about and now we got to fix them and i mean that that's kind of what we're dealing with with this healthcare situation is it, the cruise plan goes into effect all the models show that this would save people money it would lower costs more people would actually be able to get affordable health care plans well something's going to happen to force them next year to tweak the plan uh the difference is i suspect and i think this is what Cruz suspects is that there will be less tweaking from this than the tweaking you've got to do because of obamacare right now and that's ultimately the problem now when we come back we're going to move back to the president's speech in europe today in poland got some more sound bites from this today and from his press conference as well as media reaction to the president and just the media continuing to obsess about the president Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I want to get back to the, I mean, well, just the reviews even of the president's speech today. It was, it was fantastic. The crowd chanting USA, USA, the interrupting, chanting Donald Trump. You know, the the narrative from the media these days, and I say narrative intentionally because it is the storytelling of the media, not necessarily the truth, is that the president is hated all over the world. No one likes the president, and yet that's not true. In Poland, they chanted his name. In Poland, they chanted USA, USA, USA. In Poland, they welcomed the president as a hero, and he gave a brilliant speech. So that we can better know ourselves. Just listen to this for a minute. Just, and above all, today. we value the dignity of every human life, protect the rights of every person 
and share the hope of every soul to live in freedom. That is who we are. Those are the priceless ties that bind us together as nations, as allies, and as a civilization. What we have, what we inherited from our, and, and you know this better than anybody, and you see it today with this incredible group of people, what we've inherited from our ancestors has never existed to this extent before. And if we fail to preserve it, it will never, ever exist again. So we cannot fail. This great community of nations has something else in common. In every one of them, it is the people, not the powerful, who have always formed the foundation of freedom and the cornerstone of our defense. The people have been that foundation here in Poland, as they were right here in Warsaw. And they were the foundation from the very, very beginning in America. It was a fantastic speech. Uh, fantastic. Now, I want to play an excerpt from the president's speech that's not getting a lot of press attention. But it's actually my favorite part of his speech. Listen to this. This is this is Reagan-esque in how commonsensical it is, man of the people it is, and the fact that it's not getting press attention. Notice the cheering. I'm intentionally starting Finally, to on both sides the of the Atlantic, our citizens are confronted by yet another danger, one firmly within our control. This danger is invisible to some, but familiar to the Poles. The steady creep of government bureaucracy that drains the vitality and wealth of the people. The West became great, not because of paperwork and regulations, but because people were allowed to chase their dreams and pursue their destinies. Americans, Poles, and nations of Europe value individual freedom and sovereignty. We must work together to confront forces, whether they come from inside or out, from the South or the East, that threaten over time to undermine these values and to erase the bonds of culture, faith, and tradition that make us who we are. If left unchecked, these forces will undermine our courage, sap our spirit, and weaken our will to defend ourselves and our societies. But just as our adversaries and enemies of the past learned here in Poland, we know that these forces, too, are doomed to fail if we want them to fail. And we do indeed want them to fail. I, I personally think that was brilliant. And he's not getting credit for that. It is essentially Ronald Reagan's, uh, the, the, I, I'm from the government and I'm here to help her, or some of the most feared words, whatever, whatever his line was. The president of the United States going to Poland and not just taking on, notice the South and East reference. He's talking about radical Islam and he's talking about Russia, but he's not just talking about them. He includes a dissertation on the fact that bureaucracies and regulation strangle people and businesses and sap the will of people to innovate and fight. You're not getting media coverage of this section of a speech. But that right there, friends, 
that was conservative. Despite any issues I might have with the president, that was an articulation of conservatism. And it's very interesting this evening to watch liberal sites talk about the speeches as some sort of uh, great alt-right speech, that if you agree with the speech, you're a member of the alt-right. The president talked about defending the West from radical Islam, taking on Russia as a threat to Western values, beating back regulation and bureaucracy, and defending traditional families. That has nothing to do with alt-right, alt-left, nothing. That, that is standard Americanism. That is standard conservative values, defense of family, defense of faith, defense of freedom, defense of the individual to innovate and thrive without the government bullying them, pressuring them, or burdening them. That was an epic speech today by the president. That was a presidential speech. And what is most interesting to me after the speech is not the speech itself. It was a very good speech. It is the people who say they believe these things, who hear the president articulate these things and instead just want to complain. The man gave an excellent speech. He deserves his due today. Why, hello there. Um, let's go back to the phones, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Scott in Covington, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Great show. Thank you. Uh, let's look at uh, two interesting markets, the, uh, the, the market for uh, medical services and uh, university educations, which have third party payers what has happened to the price oh yeah completely out of whack from the market right so as long as there's medical insurance the market will never really have the chance to work and and having worked in that industry for a long long time uh you know do we need to draw the line somewhere as to what is an insurable medical event versus what is not Uh, yes it, it, you know, if if they, they said tomorrow, okay, everybody's going, and this is how it used to be. People used to stroke a check to go to the doctor. Yep. They insured against the heart attack, the stroke, the cancer policy, what have you. I think we need to, uh, to maybe come uh, to some Scott, l- l- let's look at this another way. Can you imagine what it would cost to change the oil in your car if it was an insurable event? Exactly. You buy the warranty for the transmission or for the power plant in your car going bad. And uh, I can remember my my mother taking uh, me and my siblings to the physician and actually writing a check. And that way the market can work because the pain, if you will, is felt uh, by the consumer. Mm -hmm. But. Ultimately, the, the providers of medical services would have to do what? They'd have to price those services, uh, you know, without an insurance market so that people could afford them. Yep. And they would. And, and here's why they would, because they wouldn't have to deal with insurance. Yeah. They wouldn't have all, all the uh, time spent uh, processing uh, claims and what have you. So, right. You know, Scott, I, I got to let you go there because I got a hard break, but you're right. And you know, out in, in Kansas now, there are a number of doctors out there who have thriving medical businesses by posting menus of services. They don't accept insurance, but they tell you what it's going to cost per thing out of pocket. And it works.
Mm, pray for Steve Scalise. Uh, Congressman is uh, headed back into surgery this evening uh, because of an infection. Uh, my goodness. What a terrible situation for him. Um, y'all, I, I want to play for you a clip of the president that I played earlier. And welcome back, I guess I should say. It's Eric Erickson here on WSB. It is 39 after the hour. And the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Let me play this clip for you. I played it in the first hour. Listen to this. President, to you first, uh, a two-part question, if I may. Will you once and for all... Yes or no, definitively say that Russia interfered in the 2016 election? Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. Uh, could have been a lot of people interfered. You, you, you got that? I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. Could have been a lot of people interfered. I've said it very simple. I think it could very well have been Russia, but I think it could have been other countries, and I won't be specific. You got that? I think it was Russia. And I think it could have been other people in other countries. Could have been a lot of people who interfered. That's an, that's an important line here. Pay attention to this. Haley Jackson of NBC asked the question, do you think that Russia interfered in the, the election? Well, I think it was Russia. And I think it could have been other people. Our question, if I may. Will you once and for all... Yes or no, definitively say that Russia interfered in the 2016 election? Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people in other countries. You heard that? So l- let me now read you a headline uh, over at the AJC.com. Donald Trump stops short, doesn't accuse Russia of U.S. meddling. Yeah, the silence here is intentional. Doesn't accuse Russia of U.S. meddling. Stop short. If I may, will you once and for all, yes or no, definitively say that Russia interfered in the 2016 election? Well, I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people. I think it was Russia, and I think it could have been other people. Donald Trump. Stop short. Doesn't accuse Russia of U.S. meddling. That that's that is the headline. That is the headline right now at the AJC. Donald Trump stops short. Doesn't accuse Russia of U.S. meddling. How many times do I need to play this clip where he says Russia? I think it was Russia. To you first, uh, a two-part question, if I may. Will you once and for all, yes or no, definitively say that Russia interfered in the 2016 election? Well, I think it was Russia. and I I think it was Russia. And I think it was other people. See, that's the problem, is that he thinks there might have been a George Soros. Hello. I think it could have been other people, too. And I'm supposedly a never-Trumper. The president said Russia. The president today, the president of the United States, and I'm moving back away from the microphone because my blood pressure is up and I'm yelling. The president of the United States in Poland told a reporter at NBC News that he thinks Russia meddled in the election. And the headline at the AJC right now is that the president stopped short of saying Russia meddled in U.S. elections. What does the man have to say to get a headline that says, yes, I think think Russia did it because he did he said that 
The president of the United States said today that he thinks Russia meddled in the election. He not only said it once, he said it twice. And yet the headline at the newspaper is that he never said it. He denied it. He stopped short of it. What on earth does the man have to do to get credit for saying he said what he said? Because he said it. He said what the media has been asking him to say. You would never know that from reading your local newspaper right now. My God, is it any wonder the right hates the media? And it's it's not just local, and I don't mean to pick on them. Uh, nationally as well, reporters nationally are insisting, the, the president still denies Russia did anything. How many times must I play the clip again? How many times must I play the clip of the president saying he thinks Russia interfered in the election before the media accepts the fact that the president said what they want him to say, that the Russians interfered in the election? The problem is that the president will not say what there is no evidence of, the fact that he is president because Russia stole the election. That's what the media really wants. That's why they won't acknowledge him saying what he said, because unless he says, "Uh, yeah, I got to resign and give it to Hillary because, you know, you're precious. You did everything you could. And, and she really deserves to be president. Until he does that, the media is not going to give him credit for saying what I have now played five times. I have played that clip now five times. Do we need to hear it again where the president says, yes, I think it was Russia? I don't think we need to hear it again. I think the point is made. It should be made. But reporters are still going to deny he said it. It's so frustrating. It really is. Because, you know, there are good journalists out there. I I mentioned in the last hour, so I've got a syndicated column that doesn't run in the AJC. Runs all over the nation, other than Georgia. It runs in the Carrollton paper. I think it runs in the Savannah paper now. In the Valdosta paper. Doesn't run in the AJC. You can go to Creator Syndicate if you want to syndicate my column if you're a local newspaper person. Nonetheless, I point out in my column tomorrow, that comes out tomorrow, that it's not the president who is dragging down democracy in this country. It is reporters who constantly, chronically, regularly, routinely lie about the president and what he says and doesn't say. And the massive number of stories that have been routinely, regularly retracted by the American media Because they continue to get the story wrong over and over and over. They would rather believe an anonymous source who's still in government from the years of Barack Obama than to believe the truth. And that's why democracy dies. Not because the president shook hands with the Polish first lady when the media says he didn't. Well, yeah, that's why democracy dies, too, because the media lies. The media lies. And democracy dies. I'm so aggravated by that whole thing that I downloaded the clip and I'm going to put it up at the resurgent. By the way, if you want to subscribe to the uh, daily email from the resurgent, in fact, I, I spent the afternoon during commercial breaks trying to make it more efficient. You can text the letters WSB to the number 444 999. 
Text WSB to 444-999. What's going to happen is that you're going to get back a text from me. It's automated. I'm not actually texting you. Don't worry. Uh, Just asking for your email address. When you reply back, that text is going to come from a different phone number. When you reply back to that text uh, with your email address, you're automatically going to be subscribed to the uh, morning briefing that I send out every day. And this is going to be in there. And it's just going to highlight. It's going to have the president's video where he says, yes, he thinks the Russians did it, and it could have been others as well. And he's just going to have a compilation of the headlines from different news outlets saying the president didn't say what he said. That's just so aggravating. I'll also link to my syndicated column for tomorrow, where I go through, since he was elected, all of the major hit jobs by the media that have been retracted. Remember the mass resignation at the State Department that didn't happen. The Russians hacking the power grid that didn't happen. Uh, James Comey going to say the president is under investigation, which didn't happen. Uh, James Comey being fired for asking for more money for the Russia investigation that didn't happen. Uh, On and on and on and on it goes. The, The number of high profile, significant stories run by the media that were subsequently retracted. It's just these people do not want to be held accountable. They don't. They refuse to be held accountable for what they're doing. Today, if you're just tuning in, if you didn't hear earlier today, you could go to the Washington Post where their motto is democracy dies in the dark. And you could see a headline story that the Polish first lady refused to shake hands with the president. And when you watch the video to watch her diss the president, as the reporters were calling it, you would see that she shook his hand. The headline was wrong, and they made it a big story. That's just ridiculous. Okay. Uh, Text WSB to 444-999. Let's go back to the phones. Paul and Dunwoody, you're next. Welcome. Uh, Greetings. I'm calling near St. Joseph's Hospital about the shootings that you mentioned, the uh, people in D.C. that were hurt on the baseball field. Yes. We have an epidemic of shootings all over the country, and we need to have a national debate on CNN about uh, the cost to the hospitals. People are getting the blood supplies are very low. We need people to donate to the Red Cross. We need to lock up guns. We can't take away guns from people because of the rights of our citizens to have guns. But some of these guns that are being sold are not used for defense. They're used for offense. Yeah, you're right, Paul. There is a problem there. The problem is that we're never going to stop criminals from being criminals. And I honestly think the solution to this country is more guns, not less guns. I mean, the left says we need to take all the guns away. And and Paul, thank you for not saying that we need to take all the guns away because we do have a constitutional right. I think in this country, we got to do things differently. We need more guns. We need everybody to have a gun and everybody to have training on how to use a gun. I mean, look at Switzerland, where everybody has a gun. They don't have gun violence. So we've got gangs in this country that coincide with the collapse of families. Uh, You rebuild families. You get people off government dependence and force them to depend on each other and their families. Uh, Then suddenly you build stronger families. You build stronger families. You cut down on gang activity and crime. You cut down on gang activity and crime. You cut down on gun violence. It's really not that hard, except it flies in the face of liberalism that wants everybody to believe that people are victims of white people in society and white privileges to blame for everything. It's not. We need more guns in this country. We need everybody who's a law-abiding citizen to have a gun and know how to use the gun. 
And then the criminals will be afraid to point their guns at the law-abiding citizens who know how to use them.